Welcome to the Freedom Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are investing in your relationship with the Lord by listening to this message. Check out our YouTube channel for a complete log of all of our sermons. If you would like to know more about FC, visit our website at www.freedomfamily.us. God bless and remember that the best is yet to come. Good morning, church. It's good to see you. So glad you're here today. Thank you for coming out in person. Let's welcome those that's watching online or on the other side of the lens of that camera. You guys give them some love. We appreciate you guys so much. Now, you may be here today because you, you know, someone invited you or you got something in the mail. Maybe someone invited you and they bribed you to come because they said they'd buy you lunch or maybe they told you you would meet somebody cute. Hey, we're glad that you're here, whatever it is. So today, when you think about uh, the time that we're at, we're getting later into August and, and moving toward September. Fall is in the air. How many of you like fall? Raise your hand. Yes, I love fall myself. And you think about fall, football season again is going on, and the kids have gone back to school. Parents are rejoicing and praising Jesus' name for that, right? So with that being said, we think about a lot of things in different seasons that means a lot to us. I fell in love in August, and in, in, in the August and September time in 1988. I met my wife. Uh, she approached me. I was riding in my convertible car. She come riding up in a car. She approached me at a, at a speed that I was not used to, to yell out the window. They wanted me to take her ride in my car and ended up, I chased after her heart after that and we got married. But the thing about it was that I remember when we were dating was the anticipation and the excitement that you have when you are in love. And so I would make very special dates for my wife. And uh, then as we dated, I would do very special dates and things that she would be creative. And, and I, I just always thought about that song, love is in the air. Do, 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 do. Anyway, um, I'm kind of going back there and reminiscing. But I want to ask this question because there's a lot of men and women and no doubt couples in here. How many of you here would raise your hand and say you are in love? Raise your hand. Some of you, it took a while. You know, some of you say, yeah, woo, I'm in love. Some of you are like, I don't want to go home with you. I'm glad I'm not married to your spouse, you know what I'm saying? But anyway, when you're in love, it's a great thing. But here's what I'm, where I'm going with this. Think with me for a moment. Whenever the love is reciprocated, you follow what I'm saying? Whenever that other person that you're in love with, they fall in love with you and the love is reciprocated, then all of a sudden that love relationship goes to new heights unlike what you can ever imagine and having that special life together. Understand this, that's just like God our creator. You say, what do you mean? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life, have eternal life. And that's how much he loved us to give us his own son. But, with, but I got to throw a word in there. However, say however. When we love God in return, we reciprocate that love back to him. The best is yet to come. Would you say that with me together right now? The best is yet to come. Say it like you mean it. The best is yet to come. Because he's already loved us. God is loving. And he's loving us. But when we reciprocate that relationship and we love God back, then all of a sudden the best is yet to come. You say, why is that? Well, let me ask you this question. How many of you here, now you, 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 might, not, you might not be a Christian yet or you might be agnostic. You could be an atheist. You just might be just, somebody may have drug you in here. They bribed you, whatever. 
But go track with me on this for a minute. How many of you would say, you know, if, if there's a God creator out there and he created me, I, I, I love God. Would you raise your hand and say, I, I do love God, okay? Yeah, the, most, of, most everybody, probably everybody here, I didn't look for everybody's hands, but understand that many of you love God. But listen, for those of you that are reciprocating your love for God, this verse is for you. Check out 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9. Listen to what Paul is telling the church of Corinth. It's applicable to us. He said, that is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. Think about that. We can't imagine everything that God has in store for us, not only in this life, but in the life to come in heaven. And here's what I know, and you do too. We're living in some challenging times, especially over this past while. And Knowing the wonderful future that God has for us when we read this, that he gives us this hope and he gives us courage to press on. The, tr- the best truly is yet to come. But if you don't believe in God or you're living a godless life, you won't have any hope for your future. So today as we begin this new series, The Best is Yet to Come, I want to talk about future hope because I want you to grasp that. I want you to own that. I want you to be able to live that. I don't know if you've ever heard of Job. Many of you have. A lot of people, even if you don't consider yourself a a church person or whatever, a lot of people heard of Job and how rough Job's life was and and how God allowed the enemy to come against him and basically took everything Job had. And and at the very end, when you read the end of the story, it was a great thing because really God come back and doubled everything Job had except for his children. He gave him children back, but his other children were already in glory. So really there was a doubling of that if you think of it theologically. But with that being said, in chapter 8, one of the three friends that were really trying to press on Job and telling him to confess his sins, he, his friend was saying what he thought was wrong with the world in chapter 8. And there's one phrase that he says that's applicable to society today. Look what it says. Those who forget God have no hope. We see the truth of this statement everywhere. The more godless that we become, the more hopeless people are. And see, here's what I know about being around people. The most hopeful people in the world are the people that live closest to God in this world. What happens to culture when our culture forgets God? Think about that for a moment. I want to share some things with you here. When a culture forgets God. Truth is minimized, life is trivialized, abortion is legalized, TV is vulgarized, wealth is idolized, advertising is sensualized, everything is sexualized, our consciences have been desensitized, free markets are monopolized, morals and ethics are liberalized, in entertainment crime is sensationalized. Immorality is popularized. Drugs are legitimized. The breakup of the family is rationalized. Manners are uncivilized. Christians are demonized. Sin is glamorized. And God is marginalized. That's what happens when a culture forgets God. So when we think about hope, real hope is an optimism. Now, when I say that, a lot of times people think and say, well, you don't want to be a pessimist. No, you don't want to be a pessimist, but you got to understand what optimism is. Optimism is whenever you tell yourself that everything is great, even when it isn't. Now, I'm an optimist. 
You know, I don't want to be a pessimist. How many of you here, when you think about a pessimist, it just means somebody looks on the bad side of things all the time. How many of you know that person? You're, on, you're around them on a regular basis. You have to take Tylenol. Anybody? You know what I'm saying? You know, some of you may live with them. You know, just don't, don't do anything. You can look at me blank, so I'll pray for you or something like that. But anyway, but there's a lot of people. You, you, want, to be, you want to look on the bright side of things. That's what optimist does. But optimism won't change the world. It just, it just won't do it. Optimism only works on things that you and I control, and that's it. And when we can't control the outcome of something that's taking place, what do we end up doing? We wring our hands, we worry, we post on Facebook how bad the world is and how bad life is, and we become faithless people, and we live life with little or no hope. God never said in His Word anywhere, that he would spare pain, that he would spare suffering, that he would spare all the hardships and things that we go through in life. But God did promise that he would see us through. And that's the God that we love. So when you think about hope, there's three kinds of hope. The first kind of hope is wishful hope. In other words, is you're wishing things could happen. You know what I'm saying? You have a, a wishing mindset. It's like, for instance, there's a lot of red lights in town. And how many of you have ever hit a bunch of red lights and been late for a gathering of some kind? Raise your hand. Yeah, me too. I had this thing that I thought that really worked. Uh, when I would be late somewhere, when I'd be approaching a, a red light, and I would see it from a distance. And I don't do this anymore, but I did it for years. I'd see that red light, and I'd go, I'd start doing this. Green, 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 green. And a lot of the times, the light would change, and I'd go right through it, and I'd say, thank you, Jesus. Jesus didn't have anything to do with that. I was just wishing it was going to change, right? That's what I was doing. And I even taught my kids that. They would do it with me. I all in harmony. The kids would harmonize with me. Green, 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 green. We'd do that. But that's just wishful thinking, y'all. That's all it is. There's no power in that. I'll tell you another kind of hope is what you would call expectant hope. You say, what do you mean expectant hope? Well, expectant hope is kind of like this. Over this past year, I've seen a lot of people plant gardens. How many of you have got a garden? You plant a garden. Raise your hand. Yes, yes, yes. I'm glad you did. I need some vegetables, especially tomatoes. Anyway, (laughs) I don't have one. Anyway, uh, with that being said, uh, what you do, you don't look out there in your your field or in your backyard area and say, garden. And it grows. No, it just don't happen like that, right? What did you do? When it comes to a garden, you basically went out there and you tilled the soil. You went to Lowe's or wherever your favorite place is, co-op or whatever, and you bought seed and you took and you tilled it all up. You went out there and you planted the seeds and you put out the slips. And some of you may have went the extra mile. You may have very well even went out there and watered it instead of waiting on the rain to be able to do it. And then you sat back with great expectation that you were going to have a garden, right? That's what a lot of people do. So, with that being said, that's really, really cool because it may come up or it may not. I've had times that it didn't, but you have an expectation because you did something. That's like my, Shannon and I, one of our friends, Travis and Michelle here last weekend, and we went up to uh, Cherokee Lake north of Knoxville, went up there to hang out, had a good time, ate some great mom and pop places. So, I brought my boat, Travis and I like to fish together, and we, I looked at YouTube videos I looked at the great baits to do. We looked at the patterns of the fish and how deep they were for small mouth, how deep they were for large mouth. And man, we went up there and we fished in the morning early and we fished way up in midnight. 
And you know what? We were expecting to catch a lot of fish. You know how many fish we caught? Goose egg. We had one fish that I finally hung, and he come up at night. He got up on his tail. He jumped about that far out of the water, spit my bait out, laughed at Travis and I both, went back in the water, and that's the only fish we ever saw. True story. I was about ready to just throw my poles away, just go back. We, we just ready to throw in the towel. But some of you moms here have, you've had that expecting mother. You say you're expecting, right? You know what I'm saying? But some of you have been expecting before in a crowd of people this size, ladies, those online, you were expecting and had a miscarriage. You weren't counting on that. There was an expected hope. Because you were an expecting mother. But once again, there's nothing guaranteed when you're expecting. But there's one hope that's a biblical hope. It's called certain hope. Certain hope. Certain hope is God's hope. It's, the Bible teaches that, that we're to be people of hope. And certain hope is Christian hope. Only through our Lord. And, and the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 19, it says, This certain hope of being saved. Now, when you're talking about saved, that's salvation. That's when you come to a point that you understand that you have never asked Jesus into your heart. You've never asked him to forgive you of your sins. And when you do uh, get under that state of conviction and you ask him to forgive you of your sins, he will come in and forgive you of your sins. He cleanses you from all unrighteousness, it says in 1 John 1 and 9. And then as you are born again, you're born physically as a human being, then you're born spiritually. And you get your name written in the Lamb's book of life. You've made reservation for heaven. And God gives you the Holy Spirit to help lead you in this world that's not on our side. That's salvation because of Jesus, what he did by shedding his life's blood on the cross for us because we could not save ourselves. So this certain hope of being saved is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls, connecting us with God himself behind the sacred curtains of heaven. So when you think about him saying a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls, we're going to park on that in just a moment, but connecting us with God himself behind the sacred curtains. See, because of what happened to humanity in the garden with Adam and Eve, sin came on mankind. So Jesus had to bridge the gap from, to God the Father and be our advocate, to be our sin for us. And that's why he died for us. Jesus gave his life for us so that we could come to him and he could connect us back to God. Now, when you think about him talking about this certain hope, we have a certain hope when we give our lives to Christ that we are going to heaven. But we don't want to just stop there. We have a hope of a wonderful life now that he wants to give us. Now, when he, why is he using an anchor here? An anchor is used for a couple of reasons. First off, a boat with an anchor is used to keep it from drifting. It keeps it from drifting. And so, just like our lives, if you're not careful, your life, you will drift in life. You will drift from your purpose. You will drift from your goals. You will drift from your dreams. But an anchor gives you also stability in a storm. The other day, I was looking, and I'm a member of the Facebook Old Hickory, uh, Old Hickory Lake people. And somebody showed a picture of a boat, and it's way out in the middle of Old Hickory Lake. And they said, anybody know whose boat this is? <laughs> they didn't have their anchor, and it drifted out by itself. Well, that's just like a boat. A boat will drift. If you don't have the anchor, it will go. But also, anchor in a storm is so important because storms are going to come. And if you don't have an anchor in a storm, you're going to be in a lot of trouble with a boat. But also, you have storms in life. You have relational storms. You have financial storms. You have spiritual storms. At times, you have professional storms. We've all faced a COVID storm, haven't we? Every single one of us. It hurts. So, with that being said, 
Here's what I want you to know. Real hope is based on God's word, not on my wishes. Not, uh, my hope is not this wishful thinking stuff. It's going to change anything. It's not just about positive thinking or optimism. My hope isn't based on emotion, but it's based on what God has spoken. So I want to talk about our future hope the remainder of our time. And when you think about something, and I say a future hope, our hope is, is a joyful expectation of what's going to happen in front of me. It is, hope is always future-oriented. Hope is anticipation of your future, what's going to happen out there, not back here, that you're going somewhere, and it's not where you're at. It's, it's not where you've been. Back in the 70s or 80s, I remember as a kid, a movie, Cannonball Run, and they would run in these race cars across the country. And I remember this Italian guy gets in this car. I'll never forget this. He gets in the car, and he's there in his car. He's got it running, and his co-driver gets in there with him. And the first thing the Italian guy does is rips the rearview mirror off, throws it out of the car. He looks over to the guy and says, what's behind me is not important. And I thought, isn't that like life? If you spend all your time looking in that little bitty mirror, things aren't going to go good for you in a, in a vehicle. You're going to have an auto accident. you got a big window that's looking out in front of you. My tomorrow is to be better than my yesterday. My future is to be better than what's in my past. Where I'm headed is much better than where I am right now. You see what I'm saying? I remember uh, an ice storm that happened when I was a kid. How many of you here may have been in this area and you, or you've been somewhere and you've experienced an ice storm before? Raise your hand. This particular ice storm uh, was in 1973, if my memory serves me correctly. And we went without power, electricity at our home for over three weeks, three plus weeks. And thank God that my father, we actually had a wood-burning stove that kept us from freezing to death because the, temp the temperatures were terrible and was a lot worse than they are now. We still have cold weather, but it just seemed like it come in a long periods of time. And, and I remember... What was so great is that we had these lanterns that had a well-lit lamp because that's the only thing we had. And when, you're, when you only have a lantern or, or this, this lamp, man, you're thankful for something that's well-lit that you can see because I do remember our eeriness. You say, what do you mean? You go outside at night during that time and you would look across the landscape because we lived in the country. There was no lights anywhere. You couldn't see anything. It was just kind of eerie. So I remember my brother and my cousin was actually staying there with us at that time. He would come and stay with us for months. I mean, that's just my cousin. But anyway, we had a wonderful time together, and, and we would take that well-lit lamp, and we would play Monopoly for hours on end and enjoy it so much. But I remember when it would get night, I wanted to get somewhere in those dark times, close to my parents, close to my mom and dad, close to my brother and my cousin around that well-lit lamp. And today, as we look in the book of Jeremiah in the Old Testament, Jeremiah is what I would call one of those dark books. Matter of fact, I wouldn't advise you to use it as a devotion because you would not be very happy. <laughs> but there's a well-lit verse in all the darkness of Jeremiah. It's a well-lit verse, Jeremiah 29, 11. I want you to take a look at it. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. When you think about this verse here, God has a good plan for you and for me. Uh, this is a well-lit verse in a very dark chapter. God says, I have a plan. If you back up to verse 4 in Jeremiah 29, it tells us there that God's people had been exiled to Babylon. 
They had been exiled there. The people were in a bad situation because they had rebellion against God. The God's families there, they were in disarray. They were in economic turmoil. And they were forced to live in a pagan society. And But even reading a, in a dark chapter, there's a well-lit verse. Let's read it once again. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Maybe you're in a dark chapter in your life right now. Maybe you got laid off from your job and you can't even find a job that can get you anywhere near the finances you need to make it in your home. Maybe you're in a dark place right now in a dark chapter of life because your high school sweetheart you married has been unfaithful and it's ripping your heart out. Maybe due to this COVID thing that's happened the last year and a half, you poured all your money into your business and it's suffering closing, a dark chapter in life. Maybe you're battling health. You don't even want to tell your family, going through a dark chapter in life. And let me say this to you, if you're not in a dark chapter, thank God, but here's what I'll tell you, you're either coming out of a dark chapter, a dark chapter comes, or you're going to move into one. It's like you're coming out of one, in one, or it's coming at you. That's life. Today, we're doing this series, and over the next several weeks, the best is yet to come, and I want to encourage you because everybody needs encouragement, especially the day we're living in right now. We get beat up every time we walk out there. So we're not only talking about a future hope today, and we'll land the plane here in just a little bit, but next week, I'm going to talk about beyond wounds because everybody in here has been wounded in some way, shape, form, or fashion. You walk around and you smile, but you're gaping hole inside your heart, whether it's something to do with a relationship in a family or a loved one or a spouse or something that's happened with your kids or something that's happened with your job or your professional job or your career with a friendship. It all happens like that. We're going to talk about that next week. The week after that, we're going to talk about something that not even the churches talks about. We're going to confront depression. Confronting depression, because here's what I know, after being a pastor for 20 plus years and watching what's happened in the past year and a half, depression has risen out of sight over the past year. And we're going to talk about it from a biblical perspective because there's a lot of people in the scripture that dealt with the depression. And we're going to look at the ways that God helped them get through it. You don't want to miss that weekend. The next weekend we'll talk about being healthy together. That's what I want us to be as a church family. That's what my desire is for you and for my family and our family together holistically is that we be healthy together and we grow together and we live life from God's perspective. It's so important. After we get done with this series, we're going to go through the Purpose Driven Life book. If you've never heard of it, we're going to talk about what on earth we're here for. We're going to look at it for six weeks. We're going to have groups. We want everybody to get in groups. We're going to break it down and understand that every single person under the sound of my voice, you have a purpose. God has a plan. He ordered your steps before you were ever born, and we want you to grab that and want you to live that. It's going to be so exciting, and I hope and pray that you'll bring your friends and family that don't have a church family. These weeks coming up, the best is yet to come, and I believe it. I believe it with all my heart. So we go back to this verse, this well-lit verse here in a very dark chapter here. Once again, I know the plans I I have for you, says the Lord, the, the, they are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. God is saying through Jeremiah here that you're okay because I have a plan that God is in control. Here's what I want you to know. God is still on the throne. I hope you understand that. You may feel like you're out of control and you didn't feel like that you could do anything about your finances or you can't do anything about your job or your company. And God says, I know the plan I have. He didn't say, I think there's a plan for you. There might be a plan for you. This is just a coincidence. No, he says, I, for I know the plans I have for 
you is what he's saying here. So what God has is a sense of confidence that this is coming from God and he has it for you. Let's move on to the next couple of verses. It said, in those days, in those dark chapters of my life and yours, in those days, what do we do? He says, when you pray. He says, when you pray. In other words, past tense, when you pray. It means you're going to pray. In those days, that's when you're going to pray. And what did he say? He said, I will what? What's that last word? He said, I will. Listen, in those days when life sucks, let's just say it like it is. And we're dealing with everything that's going on. And we don't understand. And things are coming at us in every different direction. He's saying that when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me, here's the if word. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. In those days, how many of you feel alone? You're full of worry and, and you lack faith. And there's things that you don't understand. And hope seems to be so far-fetched in your life. God says, when you pray, I will listen. That's a wow verse. That's a wow verse. That's a wow verse. If you look for me with all your heart, you will find me. But understand this. Before you can get the plan for the predicament that you're going through, before you can get the plan of the problems that you're facing, that you find yourself in, you have to seek the planner. And he is God. you got to get serious about God, the person, before he's going to reveal the plan to you. That's what he's saying here. And a lot of people want a plan of God without the person of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? They want the blessings of God and not getting with God. God says, look for me wholeheartedly. This is not a compromising verse. Listen to me what I'm going to tell you. Here's the problem, what we're dealing with right now. Many part-time Christians want a full-time God. It's the truth. God wants all of your heart, not just a, a part of your heart. So, here it is, God's people. God's people are living in a pagan country. They're under a pagan government. They're being pressured by pagan rulers to get their undivided attention. Does it sound familiar where we're living at today? Now we move to 2 Chronicles chapter 15, verses 3 through 6. For a long time, Israel was without the true God, without their God, without a priest to teach them, and without the law to instruct them. But whenever they were in trouble and turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought him out, they found him. During those dark times, it was not safe to travel. Problems troubled the people of every land. Do you hear what I'm speaking to you right now from the Word of God? Nations fought against nations and city against city for God. Listen, this is what you want to underline in your, in your electronic Bible and in your paper Bible. Listen to this. For God was troubling them with every kind of problem. You ever read that before? For God was troubling them with every kind of problem. You have chaos of every kind. There are individual problems. There are family problems. There are urban problems. There are cultural problems. There are international problems. Society has become chaotic at its best. Again, God was troubling them with every kind of problem. So listen to me. If God is your problem, only God can be your solution. People today in our society are trying to be God for themselves. And they're abandoning God as their solution. When you go to Romans chapter 1, listen to me, church. 
When you go to Romans chapter 1 in the New Testament, and you begin to read, and I challenge you to read it this week, you read verses 18 through the end of the chapter. You'll notice in verse 24, verse 26, and verse 28, it says in those verses, God abandoned them. God abandoned them. God abandoned them. He was giving them over. If you want to be your own God, you think you're the solution, then he's he's letting them do that. God's not going to make you love God. God's not going to make you serve God. So what did God do? Because of running after all of the sinful things they want to run after in this life, God abandoned them is what it says there in the scripture. So as God was removed from our society and it's happening around us, it's being filled with evil of every kind. That's what we're talking about. The removal of God means the disintegration of our society. You can't solve our society's problems without God. Once again, God was troubling them with every kind of problem. Why? So that we will seek him after we realize we can't live without him. The next thing I'll tell you, what you learn, where you're at, will prepare you for God's good plan. What are you learning in this moment right now that God is speaking to you? That's so important. Look at verse 4 in 2 Chronicles 15 again. It says, but whenever they were in trouble and turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought him out, they found him. They sought God and they found him. What God wants us to do, he wants us to learn in our lives. He wants to learn in our families. He wants us to learn in our churches abroad. He wants us to learn in society is to break our spiritual independence that we have become so desperate for God that we give our full attention to God Almighty so that we will get a response from God that we need in the life that we're living. Jeremiah 29, look at verse 13 again. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. We need God's presence. We need God's power. And when we get that, we get God's plan in our souls for our future that's going to give us hope. See, there's no time and there's no good for casual Christianity. We need to do everything we can do to chase Jesus with our whole heart. And when God's people live part-time Christian lives, our culture's in trouble. It's the truth. If Jesus... Just imagine, just track with me for a moment. Let's say Jesus is coming back tonight at 6 o'clock, and he very well could. Let's say we knew that here. And you and I would do everything we could do. We would text, call, go see every person we could that we had. First off, we would make sure our hearts are right, but then we would make sure the people we love, they were right with Jesus. It's going to be over with. There would be a sense of urgency like we've never felt before, wouldn't we? But just imagine that Jesus doesn't come back for 50 years, 100 years, 200 years. What's going to happen with our kids, our grandkids? Our future great-grandkids, when when this happens right here, we better seek God to have a great influence on them. This world will be influenced, listen to me, this world will be influenced by righteousness or taken over by the enemy, and God will decide based on you and I seeking him. Look at verse 14 again. 
in Jeremiah 29. He says, I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity. How many of you feel in your heart that you've just been captive of circumstances beyond your control? You've been captive of something going on in your life that you never did understand. It's just captivating you. Just imagine the captivity of what we've all felt globally over these past year and a half. Just like a captivity has overtaken us. But he says this, I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and, everybody say and, restore your fortunes. See, God is saying, I will give you back that what you've got ripped off of. And many have been ripped off by the enemy. Many have been ripped off by other people. Many have been ripped off of circumstances. Many have been ripped off by COVID. Many have been ripped off by so many things. And Israel, what they did, they walked away from God and went chasing idols. Well, just look at the 21st century here. We have what we call the American idols, and people are chasing the American idols. And we're guilty of going after idols of hope that give no hope. God says, I'll put you in Babylon. I'll show you there's no deliverer. I'll show you there's no hope but in me. But if you will return, he says, if you will return to me, give me your whole heart. I will give you that good plan with a future and with a hope that you can't even imagine. It will blow your ever-loving mind. And when we get to that point, we're going to go all the way with everything we got. God can take a mess and make a miracle out of it. Because that's Jesus that shed his blood on the cross of Calvary. He can take a mess in my life and in yours and make a miracle out of it. That's God. Would you stand with me as we pray? Father, we love you so much as we come in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life for each of us. God, we're so blessed. Oh, my, we're so blessed. I know, God, in the midst of my words, God, there's people that are hurting, God. Don't feel like I have a future and a hope. But we're blessed because we can still seek you, the planner. The one who gives a future and a hope as we seek you with all our hearts. May that be what we do, God. May that be our prayer. No matter what we face in our lives. So as we continue our time of prayer. As your heads are bowed and you're looking into your life. Into your heart. Wherever you are, you are there by God's design to be able to impart in your life the destiny God has created for you. So I want to encourage you, don't give up, don't quit. Know that God is doing what only God can do to get you ready for where he wants to take you. It's time for God's good plan to be your future and your hope. And your learning where you're at is preparing you for that plan. You will accomplish the future if you will, that God has for you if you will seek the one who holds your future. Here's what I will tell you. One real life lesson that I've learned, and I think you will agree with me. People will let you down, but God never will. Circumstances will disappoint you, but God never will. 
People will hurt you in your life like your boss or your family or your teacher or your spouse, but God never will. So I want to just get you to think just for a moment. How many of you here will admit that you've been worrying to the point that your faith is down and you're choking the hope God has for you? Would you just lift your hand right now and say, that's me. I've been worrying too much. My hope's dashed. My hope's dashed. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, God, I pray for every person as they pray and seek you that might have their doubts and fears engulfing their hearts and minds. Hope in you, Jesus, is the only thing that can keep humanity going. Maybe you're hearing the sound of my voice and you're moping around and, and you've been negative and maybe your marriage is holding on by threads or your health is filling. You're thinking about the economy's bad, gas prices are high, can't afford groceries. Listen, God is the only one who can give you hope in the many facets of your life. He knows the future and the plans that he has for you that are good. And as long as God knows the future, he's going to provide that plan for you as you seek him with all your heart. And you can have boundless hope. Don't do life alone. We invite you to be a part of this Christian community here. This place isn't a hotel for saints. It's a hospital for sinners seeking Jesus. We've all had shattered dreams and disappointments and letdowns and depressing times. You may be there now, but no, God's got a good plan for your life. And we're going to love you and pray with you and go with you through it. How many of you here, if you look into your heart right now and you have a doubt in your mind right now about where you're going to spend eternity, if you were thinking about, oh no, I don't know if, I want Jesus to come back at 6 o'clock tonight. Christians, you're praying. If you're here right now and you've got just an inkling of doubt that you know Christ and where you'd spend eternity if you left this world, I'm so glad you're here. That's why, that's why that you're here today. So right now, in these moments, getting serious with God and seeking Him with your whole heart, He will be found. How many of you would be honest if you have a doubt of where you are with God? And his son Jesus and you know right now you feel his convicting spirit upon your soul and you want to make him the Lord of your life would you just shoot your hand up right now real quick just shoot your hand up God bless you God bless you God bless you anyone else just shoot your hand up real quick and say I see your hand God bless you God bless you anyone else just shoot your hand up and say I need Jesus as Lord today well here's what I want you to do I want you to just Make an altar right there where you're at, and I want you to pray to him. I wish I could pray your prayer, but I can't. Just let the Lord know. Pray to him right where you're at and say, Lord Jesus, I come to you in prayer. I need you in my heart. I want to invite you in my heart today. I believe you died for me, Jesus, for my sins. So I want to ask you to forgive me of my sins. I want to live for you, for, for you, Jesus, from now on. Cleanse my heart. Make me whole in you. Save me. My life is yours. Just tell him that. Save me. My life is yours today. You prayed that and you meant that from the depths of your soul. The amazing cleansing power of the Holy Spirit will come into your life and you will know and you'll be able to tell somebody close to you, I know I gave my life to Jesus. Now here's what I want to tell you to do. I want you to come and see me and let me know that. 
don't leave here lifting your hand and receiving Christ. Come and see me. My wife and I will be in the Connection Center over here toward the restrooms. We'd love to meet you. But also what I want you to do so we can correctly follow up with you. Take this connection card out of the back of your seat. Fill it out. Let us know. Just go ahead and smack the devil in the face right now and say, I receive Jesus as Lord. You can put that right on this card. And we're going to follow up with you. And we're going to make sure that you know, that you know, that you know that you receive Jesus. We're going to talk to you about it, okay? Father, you are so good. You are so good. You are so good. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for a future and hope that's in you. God, I pray for every person here that that future and hope is real. I pray, God, for healing for every heart that's broken and hurting right now. God, together, may we seek your face as a church family. And we love you and thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray and everybody says, amen. Well, good morning, Freedom Church. I am so glad that you guys tuned in with us this morning. Listen, if you made a decision for Christ today, we want to know about it. We want to celebrate with you. So we have an online connection card. You can click the link in the description of the video that you're watching right now. Um, let us know about it. Let us know that you accepted Christ as your Savior. Um, and also, if you made any other next steps, whether you know you want to be baptized or you want to join a connection group or you want to start serving, let us know about it. It. We want to connect with you. Even though right now we're online, we would just love to continue to connect with you through this season. All right, what's well, one of our favorite parts of the service? Yes, I did say favorite parts. We are going to give back to God. You know, the reason that God calls us to give with open hands is so that He can just continue to pour back into us. We want to be faithful with what He's given us. So if you're ready to give your tithe or offering, you can find links for that. You can go on our app to give um, and you can visit our website. You can also do it the old fashioned way. You can write a check. You can mail it to Freedom Church, 1010 Freedom Church Road in Gallatin, Tennessee. Or you can just drop it by the church during the week, during our office hours, Monday through Thursday. So we just are so glad that you watched with us today. Um, we hope you tune back in next week and we'll see you soon.